Listen up, all you Weeblos. This is the Man Scout, Jake Manning, and you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Hey guys, here we are once again, and welcome, 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 live in color, Wolfie D, and my man Jimmy across the street. How is everybody, and how is Jimmy today? Brother, brother, brother. This is what? what when did that happen? Tw- the late 20, like 2020, it happened, and yeah. from that point till last Friday, or no, probably Thursday, Last Thursday, I had been totally healthy, no issues whatsoever. Uh And I start feeling swimmy-headed on Thursday. Friday morning, I wake up with a sore throat. Then my nose gets stopped up, start to feel achy, chills, weird, take a COVID (laughs) test. And in 2023, when people say it's gone, I have the plague. You got the COVID. Yeah. Ridiculous, man. You got the China flu. Yeah, the China, the China flu. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. That to be true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad, man. It's not. Yeah. But it's just like annoying. It's a li- I could tell it was something different though when I got that sore throat. It was like a razor blade in my throat <laughs> for a minute. You know, that real and I was like maybe it's just strep throat because you know, dude, I just don't know anybody getting covid right now, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, I think they just told you that. <laughs> well, I took the home <laughs> test. So maybe they, they're just. They get more money for telling you that. They're know. rigged. They're rigged. Yeah. I don't know. But it's a work. It's all yeah, work. It's, it's a work. Yeah, it probably is. You're right. China. China. <laughs> well, I, I hope you get to feeling better. Um, oh, man. I already you feeling better. Your yeah. best behavior today because, uh, you know, you might get a citation for something from a boy scout, a man yeah. scout. Yeah. I mean, I know. I don't want that. It's honor, man. Don't be, don't be bullshitting, you know? Yeah. I don't want to lose my health merit badge or whatever, you know? So that, I don't know. Anyway, dude, I like Jake's awesome, right? He wrestled at 10 that's viral right now, man. And we're, I've I've been a fan, man. Ever since I saw the gimmick, but it is getting a little extreme and we'll talk to him about that on how, how that all came about. Um, but well, yeah, let me say this real quick, because, yeah. you know, there's a famous thing in Japan where there's like, I don't know who it is. Maybe Kenny Omega wrestled a blow up doll. Yeah. For some reason, I don't mind the tent as much as I did not enjoy the blow up doll. Does that make sense? Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know why, but I think the tent worked more than the blow up doll. But. I, I'm, yeah. I'm still anxious to hear what Cornette's going to say about it. Obviously, yeah. so <laughs> about that, yeah, we'll I see. Mean, there's a niche for everything, man. I mean, you watch it; the people are popping. So, you know, totally, they paid for. It. They wanted to see it. So, yeah, yeah. There's and I mean, everything. Yes, yeah. our niche, your niche, my niche, his niche, everybody's niche is a little different. And again, when I think about it, I. As PG thirteen, I did some goofy shit. Sure. So you know, it's just everything has um, you know evolved. So yeah, absolutely. Just got to get used to it, 
Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I can laugh at it though. I like I like him and I like his his stuff's funny to me. So maybe I'm just a, a double standard type of dude. <laughs> it maybe you are, but maybe sometimes some things just work. I think I don't yeah. know. I, I, we'll just leave it at that. But the the way that I look at it, you're right. The certain element of how you feel about wrestling and how I feel about wrestling, it goes totally against that. Yeah. But when, when it comes down to it, like you said, the crowd's popping. They're into it. They paid yeah. for it. You know, and, and there's a lot of people watching it. So yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So we're going to be back with uh, the Man Scout, Jake Manning, when we come back after these messages. Hey, folks, to get your official Live and in Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, folks, we're back. And as usual and as promised, we have a, another special guest with us today. The Man Scouts. Now, I have met this guy one time. I saw his stuff, I think, on social media, and then I was on a show with him, and I came up to him, and I just said, I love it. You know, everybody knows I love gimmicks, and I was like, I really love this gimmick, man. And they, there's so much that I – stuff like that has so much uh, room to develop, in my opinion. And, yeah, a lot of people are – you can't be a main eventer with that type of stuff, but I don't know. I, I think it's, it's it was hilarious to me, and I've seen some of the newer stuff. But anyway – let's uh without further ado jake manning what's going on my friend what's going on we'll see and actually i think in that uh interaction i might have said i loved everything that you've ever done because i've been <laughs> a big fan of yours for a while so <laughs> thank you like you 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 were like tremendous so like i'm just thank i'm you. happy to be talking to you today and like it, it's a wonderful day so oh, but, man. Uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction but yeah i just i'm just upset just happy to speak with you today Oh, man, I, that uh, that's that's nice. I appreciate that, man. Uh, but yeah, and then and like I said, uh, since since then, and I and I, you know, I kind of dabbled into looking more into the gimmick of what you've developed it into, and literally, uh, I just stopped watching uh, you wrestling uh, your tent. <laughs> so yeah, how did it get to that point, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you you realize that there is a backstory there because what a lot of people don't realize is that was actually the grudge match to a year long feud that I had with a camping tent. I, I could I could, uh, I could tell there was some build up. That's amazing. Yes, you, you you could tell the aggression between everything. Things probably look a little bit stiffer than they should, they should be in a, in, in a wrestling <laughs> yeah. match. So there's, I mean, maybe not to the level of Dundee and Lawler, but pretty close. It was there was some true <laughs> hatred going on there. That yeah. was real. Yeah. Um, and anybody yeah, who's put it, up it a tent would know, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, and, <laughs> and, I, and I came out on top, like yeah, like, like a true man scout would when battling <laughs> a tent. But uh, uh, through, my, through my years of wrestling, at least the last several, I've gotten pretty good at setting up a camping tent in very limited and conditions as you probably know a lot of these indie shows there's not a lot of room i think my biggest challenge sometimes with a tent is uh (laughs) finding and finding a way from the locker room 
to yeah. the ring because a lot of yeah. these entrance ways are not right. <laughs> particularly set up for a full size camping tent right. uh, to come through. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, you know that's how big the, the tent's ego is. So that yeah. that's really the and issue. I mean, the, I, I his ego's not going to fit through the front door. Right, I can tell right. the tent had an ego, and that's exactly when I quit watching the match. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, I was everything was cool. I was like, man, it's a good match. And then uh, he kicked out of your finisher, and I was like, fuck this, man. This is bullshit. That guy, <laughs> he should have he should have took the three count right there. That's bullshit. Oh, I uh, know. It, but it, it's one of those things like, you know, Tent's young in the business. I got him. Yeah. I got him in the business. He cost cost me the wrestling revolver open uh, scramble title. And then uh, I had to win it back from him. He wasn't happy about it. He thought because he had a belt that he was a big deal. And then all of a sudden <laughs> he cost me the belt. And then I've got to go take him out and show him who's boss. But of course, when we're putting the whole thing together, he's like, that don't work for me, brother. That don't work for me. So, <laughs> you know, we could have... We, we had to, we had to make it work the best we could, and then finally, like, like, we came up with a finish that he felt happy with. I feel like yeah. he kicked out him a finish. He's right. like, okay, I looked strong enough, but he he definitely yeah. it was it was it was two and a half there towards the end. So yeah, how how can I beat you without hurting myself, right? It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something about he's too too close to Phoenix for whatever reason. Yeah. He couldn't do like a, a straight job. Like it had to be like right. like a dynamite kid kick out at like three and you know one quarter you know so Jeez. you know I, I was thinking about after having you on possibly trying to bring the tent on but i mean the way you're talking it's probably just i probably just it'd be better off getting somebody else well i don't know what your budget is for this show um yeah. so like i'm a, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what, what 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 booking fee you you negotiate with your guests and stuff like that i was yeah. just happy to be you know, talk with you, uh, but, yeah. but tent, you know, he, he don't got no time for nobody. So yeah. Yeah. The shoestring budget we're on has a big enough ego already. So, you know, I don't want to involve a tent. <laughs> Go ahead. Wolfie, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so man, uh, uh, on the real, you have moved into, I mean, you still wrestling from what I understand, uh, but you've moved into yeah. the merchandise department, which is a glorified shirt counter for the AEW. <laughs> Um, and and uh, are you doing stand up as well? Yes, yes. Uh, I'm I'm a man of many facets. Um, and and yeah, uh, I I do stand up comedy. Uh, it's a little tough now with my schedule with working with all elite wrestling because, I mean, pre COVID, when I used to work at high spots, like mm -hmm. my weekends were solely about wrestling. You know, mm -hmm. Friday to Sunday was wrestling, and then mm -hmm. Monday through Thursday was where I got to do a lot of my my stand up stuff around. Charlotte. I could get up like three or four times a week, really mm -hmm. hone my craft, work on my act, work on my jokes, work on my punchlines, work on my timing, just get a right. lot of stage time. But like now all of a sudden, like my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays are booked up with dynamite. Yeah. So it's a little tough, but with the, the creation of our new show collision, um, mm -hmm. looks, we've kind of got split crews now. So it looks like how my weekends will be back to filled with wrestling. And then my, during the weeks I'll be able to get up, in this wonderful comedy scene of Greenville, South Carolina, which is the new town that I moved in. So I could probably get up three or four times and start working on that. You'll probably see, I'll probably, if you pay attention to my social medias and upcoming months, like everybody mm -hmm. will, will probably see a lot more stand up stuff because I'll get a lot more opportunity to work on it because I've, I felt very insecure about it because like, I know it takes a lot of work. That's why you don't yeah. see me talk a lot about my stand up because uh -huh. I respect the people that are putting in the work 
uh, to stand up the same yeah. amount of work that I put into wrestling for the last 20 years. There are right. people that put on 20 years of st- work in that amount of work into stand up. And yeah. like, I, I feel like for me to call myself a stand up comedian, I really have to equal the work that I put into professional wrestling. And yeah. in the last two years, I haven't been able to. So, uh, yeah. but I, like I said, with the, the change in schedule that's that's going to come up and i've been i've been doing a lot of book shows recently and in you know being in a newer comedy scene people are getting me on some more shows and like oh this yeah. guy's funny oh this guy's got jokes oh this guy's got time like <laughs> and you know slowly but surely it, it, it's starting to turn around for me there so which is good because i'm getting yeah, much cool. older and the bumps are starting to hurt a lot more so i need to transition yeah. to something else <laughs> and do you know uh do you know chris killian yes he- yes i do yeah, he he worked for TNA, broke his back, and then he became a stand-up comic, and now he does. Dude, mm-hmm. this guy, I'm not sure what company it's for. Maybe you know, uh, but it's some kind of uh, like movie Hollywood thing. He interviews Gene Simmons, Sylvester Stallone. I mean, he's he's doing pretty yeah. good with it, man. But yeah, he's he was a good friend yeah. of mine. What was his wrestling name? Because I I've known him through a friend of a friend, and yeah. like like I it's you know I, things I, you've been you've seen somebody on social media enough, but I've never. He's never admitted what his wrestling name was, so we could look up some of his matches. Oh, um, it, I cannot remember, but it would have been early two thousands before they left Nashville. I know that, but uh, okay, I don't remember. But I mean, it's mm-hmm. funny though. I mean, I think uh, of course Foley's done stand up. What Al Snow's done stand up. Uh, who else? There's been a few mm-hmm. others, maybe Dutch or something. I don't know. Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Yeah. So the boys are funny. We yeah, know uh, Cole Cabana. Oh yeah, and, 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 yeah, Cole, and like I think I think Mick is. I've I've opened up for Mick a couple of times, and uh-huh. like when he would, when he comes through North like the Carolinas, sometimes he'd be like, "Hey, I need an opener," and I'll, the clubs mm-hmm. would get in contact with me because they know I'm a wrestler, so they know I could be in front of a wrestling audience and be funny. And uh, yeah, I did a couple shows with Mick, and Mick was just like, "Ah, oh, man, you're so good." And then like the green room talks that we would have. Uh-huh. Or like the type of discussions that only two guys doing what we're doing is like having wrestling experience and then trying to do stand up like the conversations that we're having about jokes and, you know, bookers and, you know, yeah. how does this translate to a regular comedy audience and, and just, yeah. he's been very generous with his time and the conversations that we have about stand up and wrestling and like these the way these things cross over and how we navigate that have just been wonderful conversations that only the two of us could really have. Yeah. So besides, besides Mick, a non wrestler comedian, uh, you got any good, you know, stories with somebody we might know comedian was, Oh gosh. I, I opened up for JJ, Jimmy Walker. Oh, wow. One okay. Time. Holy and, God. and, 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 well, I mean, I was, I was, I, I was, the, I was the MC. I wasn't, I wasn't the opener. Let me, let me make that right. clear because so what a lot of people don't understand, uh, especially cause, uh, this wasn't a comedy club where he was performing. He was performing at some steakhouse in Salisbury, North Carolina. <laughs> and, and, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was, yeah, it was some, it was somewhere like that. And, and it was, the guy had an event space and he was running a comedy show there, uh, which, you know, Jimmy's not cut, you know, doing a cut with a comedy club or anything like that. So he's getting his full booking and there was a local promoter that's putting together and he booked me to open for him. Not open, but MC, MC the show. And what a lot of people don't know is you just see Jimmy Walker 
on the on the flyer and you and you and he says jimmy walker doing stand-up you know and and people are like yeah. oh they think they're gonna they're gonna walk through the door and then the first person on stage is jimmy walker like right. that's what uh-huh. people kind of think that are not rest no they're not comedy fans like if you go to a club you know that there's an mc there's there's a middle and then there's the headliner like right. people that usually go to comedy clubs they understand that but not probably people that are going to see comedy at a steakhouse in Salisbury, North Carolina. <laughs> a so, Salisbury Steakhouse. <laughs> it's a Salisbury Steakhouse. Yeah, a Salisbury Steakhouse. Um, Sorry. Comes so in a I TV go, I, I, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so I go on stage. I go on stage, and it's just very cold. Like, they're not even playing music in the venue. Mm. And I go, I go on stage, and I'm very new. Uh, and I... You know, and, and Jimmy kind of wants to be clean a little bit, and that's fine. So I, I, I've got clean material. Mm-hmm. But I I go up there, and I start, hey, you know, welcome, everybody. And then I start getting into my jokes, and the people are just confused. <laughs> like, why is this guy talking and not Jimmy Walker? Why is this guy trying to be funny? And it's older demographic, so I'm not... Uh, I don't, I'm not relating with them, or I'm not recognizing that my stuff isn't relating. I'm just still going through my jokes. And then all of a sudden it turns to where all of a sudden they're mad that I'm even on stage. And there's one lady in the back just just going, Jimmy, 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 dynamite, dynamite. And then everybody just, it's it's like a, I'm getting a heel reaction when I'm just trying to make these people laugh. (laughs) And then finally I just snap. I, I lose it and I start making fun of these people. I start going in on them. I go hard on them, and, and for my last, like the last, I think I got off stage like a minute or two early, and then like I'm like fine. Something about like calling them ungrateful. Like I really ran them down quite a bit. Yeah. And then I get the middle up, and, and luckily he saved the show because I went out there and ruined it. <laughs> and I don't care. I because when you're out there alone, you're like you're out there by yourself. Yeah. And, and you're almost like fighting for your life. Then yeah. like turn rejecting my jokes is like rejecting my life because I'm talking about my life. So you've rejected yeah. my life. So I'm I'm in full defense mode. I you know just go really hard on on this guy's audience. And I'm in the back and I was like, man, that was terrible. And then Jimmy Walker walks over and I go, great, here we go. Yeah. And he walks up to me and and he, and he goes, he goes, huh, you were very combative. <laughs> and, and i go and and it's like and i was like yeah and then he just looked at me and goes you should up for you should open up for andrew dice clay and then walked away i'm like i think that was a compliment i don't sure. know yeah. i'll take I, that yeah like, i'll take that sure you got his number <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's man that had to feel awful dude i can't imagine that's why i'd be terrified to do anything like that man it's it's funny like you, you know when we go out there as wrestlers or whatever doing a promo i don't get nervous or anything but anytime i've ever had to speak as me as the person it, it's nerve-wracking mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah and and the thing is too like i I've done wrestling long enough that like if something's not going right i know enough how to change where like right stand up like i'm still very new <laughs> like yeah. it's it, it's like two or three years out of a wrestling school and the match is not going well and you don't right. have the tools in your tool belt to to redirect and correct sure. that issue yeah so and, I, and that's kind of what it's like stand-up wise yeah that's cool 
you know, we just recently had him on the show, and this guy is just such a, a just a book of, of just so many stories. And and I think he means a lot to your career as well. And being from that area, especially, can you tell us some stories about George South? Oh, I man, like I mean, it's like a father to me. You know, yeah. like he yeah. he really looked out for me. Um, you know, I I mean, he's my trainer. Right, the guy right. that, that taught me how to survive. Um, it's a shame I haven't. You know how wrestling you just get out of touch with people. Right, like I kind of like lost touch with him, and it's like it's it's kind of hard because like I used to see him every week, you know, sometimes every other day, and like now I it's been like years now since I've talked to him, and it's it's kind of a shame because the point I'm at in my life is kind of what he trained me and prepared me for sure, just, sure. like everything, like all these, like the, the wonderful opportunities that I get with AEW, like every once in a while, they need some guy to go get beat up for three minutes. Uh, they, they need somebody to do this or people are standing around like, Oh, we don't know how to fix this. And all of a sudden I walk by, I'm like, well, if you do this, this, and this, and this, like the, the, you can tighten the ring ropes or wh- wh- whatever, like whatever that, thing is that needs to be fixed for a show to happen or some idea of like, Oh, that's good. Or those, those, all those things of survival, yeah. and making sure that the show happens and making sure that everything that needs to be done before the doors open gets done. Like he prepared me for taught me, uh, like he gave me all that wealth of knowledge. And, and I wish, I wish I could just tell him that everything he told me was right and was correct and I, I wouldn't be in the spot that I am right now. Like, like I think about it all the time because when I'm at AEW eating catering, I'm like, man, I wish I could tell George. Like, I get, I get to eat for free every Wednesday. Like, <laughs> like and he would love that. Yeah, I know he would love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like I eat for free every Wednesday, and like I steal some of the snacks for me to eat. Like when I'm traveling back home. So like, like the idea of saving money and then you know just I, I, I really wish I could we could share in that um, because it was him that prepared me. It was him that made me realize that it's important to, as he always said, just keep a job. Yeah. Like being able to keep a job in wrestling is, is, is next to impossible. Cause you've got everybody, you know, trying to knock you down. It's highly political. Every, every, you do one thing, somebody takes it the wrong way because they had a bad day because they had their flight delayed. And then all of a sudden you're out of a job and all these things. Yeah. Or, or or they got a friend that wants that job. It, like just keeping a job and progressing for a long period of time, like that's yeah. next to impossible. And he was the one that taught me how to do that. Yeah. And yeah. so, like I like I said, I really I really wish we could share in that this point that I have finally got to because I wouldn't have got there without him. And God, he put me in so many bad positions in my life. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> he put me in so many bad positions, but I'll tell you what, he prepared me for everything. Like there is not a, there's not a thing that I don't think there's a whole lot in wrestling that, that would happen to me that I don't, I don't feel like I'm prepared for like, yeah. you know, yeah. had, having me wrestle in a ring with one piece of padding. Cause he didn't want to put out the rest of the padding uh, <laughs> wrestling, uh, wrestling in a show where the ring doesn't show up. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, wrestling in a prison, like yeah. <laughs> setting yeah. setting up a wrestling ring under gunpoint. <laughs> like, I, I mean, experiences that I that I'll never have anywhere else. Wrestling in a lightning storm, wrestling in yeah. matches without a referee, figuring out how to make that work. Yeah. A, a multitude of different things. 
Hey, Jake, that sounds like the end of the territories, right, Wolfie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've yeah, seen quite a few of those probably. things. <laughs> I've just heard so many of those similar stories from Wolfie, so it just sounds like you were wrestling at the very tail end of the territory time. So anyway, the Man Scout gimmick, man. I mean, I just love it. I mean, Wolfie was talking about it. It's super over with me as well as Wolfie. It means a lot more that it's over with Wolfie, but you know what I mean. But lo- long story short, dude, I mean, were you a Boy Scout? Scout, did that come, or you an Eagle Scout, you know what I'm saying? Did that come from a real place? Or did you just say, hey, dude, this fits me so well that I'm, I'm taking this on? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, no, it, it, I, I am an Eagle Scout. And actually, the shirt that I, I used to wear to the ring uh, up until like, what, five years ago, that, that was the same shirt that I wore when I was doing Scouts and still in high school. Because wow. you get to be a Boy Scout until you're 18. Yeah. That was the same shirt that I wore to summer camp. Right. Um, and finally, that shirt just kind of like almost evaporated <laughs> <laughs> from being worn and then washed every single week for like 15 years. It was it was basically see-through at the, at, by the time I, I retired it and yeah. got a new one. But yeah. that, like I, I am a... The only thing about me is I'm... I was I was born born and raised in Iowa. Uh, my father is a farmer uh, and construction worker. My mother is a school teacher. I was born I was raised in a town of eighty two people. Yeah. Uh, my father was I mean my father was the mayor of our town because of twenty one write in votes. Like I'm <laughs> Opie Taylor. I'm Opie Taylor to the umps degree possible. Yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Like 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 I'm just I'm I am very wholesome. Like I have a weird, very strong, almost to my detriment uh, in pro wrestling, a sense of fairness and what's right, what's wrong. <laughs> so like these elements of this, this person uh, of the man scout, especially when, when it's time to be the good guy, all exist and, and doing right and fighting hard and working hard, even when nobody's looking um, or, you know, strong points to it. But then also too, you know, I, I always, Thought, saw it as also it could be a bad guy character, you know, kind of the way the Kurt Angle was in the early 2000s. Totally, and, yeah. And like in that sense as well too. And, and the idea that the, the Boy Scouts they kick you out at 18, and, yeah. and the and the whole thesis statement was, what if somebody's whole life for 18 years of their early life was about achieving merit badges and and being the best possible scout you could, and then one day. This organization that you put everything into said, you're done. You can no longer do it anymore. Goodbye. Right. Right. What would that do to a person psychologically who now has to go into adulthood and deal with life that doesn't fit uh, in, you know, the man scout manual. And then he's in the world of wrestling and, and like the layers to that as well too. That's always, I've always felt it to be a little deeper of a character, but it's, you don't get to, explore those things so much in you know independent wrestling these days right. a lot of let's 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 book this dream match over here and this dream match over here and do this thing for gifts and clicks and social right. media and, and and that's all wonderful and great and that's how i'm talking here with you guys right now i'm sure but <laughs> at the same time too there's there's this, there's stories to it and yeah and like there's there's an opportunity to it's it there's a lot of undiscovered country when it comes to the character and the origin of the man scout that that's there so like i yeah. 
if I ever get the right opportunity to explore that, I'm I'm always ready. But it's not. It's been in my head, much like you know, a character in, in a movie like Robert De Niro. Like uh-huh. my favorite story of Robert De Niro is Backdraft. He yeah he got up yeah. with Ron Howard and he talked and he said I need to do some research for this role of a, a fire investigator and Ron Howard hooked him up with two of the the people that were like the technical advisors and to make sure that everything they were doing in backdraft was correct. Mm -hmm. And he met him up got hooked him up with De Niro and De Niro talked to these guys both extensively for like a couple hours to spend a whole day with them or shadowed them on their job. And then when De Niro walked to the set, he basically had taken mannerisms, characteristics, verbiage Mm -hmm. from both of those guys and created a character out of it and then made it so vivid and real that you see him as that character, this fire, this hardened, like arson inspector. And, and, and that's what he did, but like you don't explore all the nuances to it. De Niro created those nuances so he can make a more well-rounded character. And that's kind Mm. of what I've tried to, uh, how I've tried to attack this character is have dimensions to it and layers to it. You may not even see in the, 10 to 12 minutes I'm in the ring, but you know, or in the 90 seconds that I, I do my interview on Twitter, Yeah. but those things exist. And the reasons why I say this, and the reasons why I say these words are important and there's, it's to make it more of a real vivid character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very cool. Totally dig it. I know there's a guy you probably work with, uh, alongside there at AEW. And I don't know if you've seen this on social media. It just happened over the weekend. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I hope you see it soon. But Jerry Lynn somehow wound up at a fair where Jamie Dundee <laughs> was in a Duncan booth. It was called <laughs> Dunk a Dundee. I saw it. I just, and much like the Tom Brady, much like the Tom Brady drone shot, um, Jerry mm-hmm. nails it on the first pitch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I loved it, man. Man, yeah, Jerry is such a wonderful person. He's one of the people I I look forward to seeing at work like every week. Yeah, like he, yeah. Is, gosh, yeah. he's so he's so wonderful, yeah. and just so like and every, and it, he's he's kind of like every once in a while there'll be like a situation like we'll, we'll meet up when we're getting to the town. Like you know, you you get in from the airport and you run into Jerry at the lobby and you're like, hey Jerry, what are you doing for dinner? And he goes nothing. I'm like, right, you want to go get dinner? And, I'll go hang out with Jerry Lynn for dinner or like see him downstairs going to get breakfast and sit down with Jerry Lynn and have breakfast with them. Yeah. Those are, those are to me the, the big perks of my job is to, to get to hang out with those people and just regular and then not even talk about wrestling, talk about right. like, you know, life or a job or complain about everybody, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, or, or, or talk about whatever. So yeah. like, like, yeah. What a, what a great yeah, dude. And yeah, I did see that. And, I, and it was the first thing I thought of when we were going to talk today. I'm like, what a weird circus, set of circumstances. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've known Jerry since I think like 1990 or 1991, something like that. Uh, good, good dude. One of the best dudes in the business, man. Seriously. I mean, Bobby yeah. Eaton level quality yeah. dude, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it, it, like, didn't, didn't you and you and you and Jamie had like, it was it was Jerry and Mikey, like you guys had some matches with them in ECW, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like it, Mikey it, Whipwreck, am I, am I memory? Yeah, yeah, yeah My, it, Mikey and Jerry, like, 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 gosh, like you, 
Now, now we get to, you, you talk to my me a little bit. Let me talk about you a little bit. Now, <laughs> like you, Wolfie, like you are, you are a special, you know, breed of cat, like yeah. coming up with the whole hip hop gimmick, like years before Cena ever did it, the pumping up of the shoes. I mean, <laughs> all that stuff was so cool. And you, you and you and Jamie, like when I've, I've helped train like a couple of students mm-hmm. and I, I always, I always tell them that, you know, if you're going to look up tag stuff, look up PG 13. Yeah. You guys were doing like some of that very old school Memphis, old school Memphis spots that were like done like yeah. in the seventies yeah. and sixties, but then you brought them into the nineties. Right. And really yeah. nobody has, and like you've never seen anybody really take a lot of those spots and then move, move it into this generation of stuff. Right. But then like, you know, every once in a while, like you see people try and do some of those Memphis spots, like the Tennessee two-step and the, and the water pump, you see that you over, yeah. those are overdone, but like the spots where you guys were doing like the multiple elbow drops with the moves, yeah. I still talk about the spot that you, you guys did on WWF TV with the smoking guns where uh-huh. you had one of the, the, cause like that, that's going to be a tough match for you guys because you were considerably smaller than both of, smaller <laughs> right. than both of those guys. So how's yeah, that yeah. going to work out? But yeah. the idea of it was like Billy or Bart was on the outside yeah. and you're just waylaying him on the outside. And then Bart comes around, chases you off. And then Jamie jumps out and starts beating him up. And yeah. then Jamie gets chased off. Then you hop out and just that transition yeah. of like, like you we, don't see spots like that anymore. And they call that. Like, call I always tell people like, look, that, look those up. Yeah. Yeah. We called that cat and mouse. And that wasn't the only time we used that. I love that spot, but I'm going to tell you, it sucks for us because it blows us the fuck up. Because <laughs> you're, beat, you're beating and pounding and then you're running and then you're beating and pounding and then you're running. It's like, shit. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. a lot of those spots like are all timing. If you don't have your timing down, it'll look hokey. And that's yeah. what you, that's what you see a lot of those guys that try and do the, those spots is they don't have the time, they have the essence of it, but they don't realize that there's a sense of timing to it. Yeah. But then of course, a lot of these guys are doing it one time and they're not, they're not doing it like multiple nights a week to set up yeah. a TV match or do it a couple of times or, or seen it yeah. multiple times or get it or understand it or looking at it like, well, if this is real, like what will we do? You know, they just see, Oh, here was the punchline. It's like when people re- recite a joke. As from yeah. a stand-up show, they forget right. the whole setup, and then totally. they just remember the punchline, and then right. the joke isn't as funny. Yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of the way some of those spots come off. So you really, yeah. people see them like one time, like, oh, I got it, and just do it. You don't right. realize you really have to study it and understand the nuances of it and the timing of it and speed and everything. But yeah, you yeah, guys, I, one that- I always, I always t- brag about you guys. Man, and I appreciate that in a very in a humble way. Um, and in that match, also one of my favorite parts of that match is where I miss the drop kick. He gives me the slingshot, and Jamie, you talk about timing, just perfectly walks down the apron, bitching at the crowd. It don't look set up the way. Yep. I get slingshot yep. into him and take a weirdo bump from it. I just thought it was like that looks good. That didn't look rehearsed, you know. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, just, I mean, I love stuff like that. Cause it's, it just, it's so unique. Everybody's trying to do how many flips they can do where I yeah. think people focus on doing more stuff like that. Yeah. Like the movement of people in a ring and, and at making like these accidental, like, like bumps in or using the circumstances of like just the guy being on the other side of the ropes. And then there's another guy sliding out like to the cat yeah. and mouse spot, like just, 
if people thought more like that, like, you know, obviously we wouldn't be beating up our bodies quite as much, but we could still have that spectacular nature of it all. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the wonder that makes pro wrestling the great art form that it is. No doubt. No it's, doubt. It's more fun <laughs> that way too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You know, speaking of old Memphis, yeah, I was doing some research on all the matches. And I mean, dude, you've worked like El Generico, R-Truth, D-Lo, Al Snow, Bobby Eaton, Jerry Lynn, Eric Young, Goldust, Cedric Alexander, Sin Bodhi, Kamala, Hangman Adam Page, Rock and Roll Express. But one of the guys that I saw that was very common on your list of matches is one of the guys that we consider one of the greatest of all time. And I just want to hear what your thoughts are in working Jerry the King Lawler. You know, you're speaking of old Memphis. That's the goat right there, you know. See, I mean, you didn't even need to get take it even that far. You, could, you didn't even say his name. I knew exactly who you were talking about. Because <laughs> I I have been so fortunate, so lucky to have wrestled him as many times as I've had in front of as many different audiences as I have. I I and and it's almost a point like Jerry like almost gets a little savvy when he sees me on a card and we're not wrestling together because he knows <laughs> how easy it'll be and yeah. how transferable what he wants to do yeah. will work. And I, I always say this about like the, every time I've ever, ever wrestled Jared King Lawler is like he, it's the, the easiest match you'll ever have. And it's the most yeah. fun you'll ever have. Yeah. yeah. And every, everything was always different. We, you know, sometimes we wouldn't go out there with even a finish yeah. and, and and we would just do what we're supposed to. And like, I think my favorite one of all time was, it was a small show in upstate New York. And I, we were wrestling and he, he was telling me to do the old, where you reach in your tights and pretend like you got something. Yeah. Like, and he yeah. was kind of like, and yes. he, and he was kind of like explaining it to me. Like he would, like most kids that had never <laughs> yeah. seen it before. And right. I go, I got it. Don't worry. And <laughs> like, we did it and, and, and they bought it like this upstate New York crowd. This isn't like a right Southern crowd. that's probably seen it and want to play along with it. These are people that had probably yeah. never seen this trick before <laughs> and had believed it so much. And we, and once like they bought it, like Jerry's like, Oh, let's keep doing this. Mm. And it was like over and over. And we played on that for five, five, ten minutes. Like, yeah. I don't even like, I remember that was like one of the longer matches we ever had. And I remember the promoter was like, why'd you go out there for 20 minutes? And like, it felt like it was 20 minutes. Like it didn't yeah. even feel yeah. like it. Yeah. Cause it was yeah. just having fun playing with people and just, yeah, gosh, it's so yeah. easy. And like and just knew what that crowd needed at that moment in time. He always that day and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brother. He had. Oh, yeah. I've told this on here before, but I'll make it real quick. He we were in a small town somewhere, and this little kid gave him uh, like as he came to the ring, gave him like a hat or something like that. And then in the match, I get the hat and I start suffocating him with it. The, the not the kid, <laughs> but Aller. Um, <laughs> <laughs> To be clear, to be clear. I mean, I'm sorry, not listening. that kind of heat. Right, uh, right. So yeah. this little kid, dude, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, you're causing him to die, or you know, whatever. And um, <laughs> that little kid's crying and crying, and so that just it, the rest of the crowd is so fucking pissed at this point because I'm egging it on. He's crying, right. and uh, what a match we had just off of him going get that hat and smother me with it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing like oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like the trust that he would put in me, like there's, 
I mean, he would always call for a body slam or backdropping him. I'm like, Jerry, like, we don't need that. But like, yeah. like here I am, I have a Hall of Famer in my arms yeah. being held yeah. like upside down. Like yeah. if one slip or if I'm too sweaty, he slides off. Like it's the end yeah. of Jerry King Lawler, but he has that much trust in me. Like, right. I mean, it's moments like that. I'm never, I'm never lost on. Yeah. yeah. As well as, I, as well as I, I, I wrestled him. I know that he loved working you. I, I guarantee. Not, I mean, not just because of your work in the ring, but the gimmick. I guarantee he loved working that gimmick. Oh yeah, he, I, he, he, he always like if he sees me in a crowd, like like we're at a, like a a convention or a, yeah. like a comic book convention, and I'm there. I just happen to be walking by two tables down. He'll holler out my name, or like one time I was like walking the streets somewhere, and he <laughs> and I it was like it was like Miami. Uh-huh. And he, it was a comic book convention. I was walking from the hotel. Um, mm-hmm. He was getting drove from the hotel because he's Jerry the King Lawler. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it, it's like Miami in July. So I'm like, you know what? I don't want to sweat in this shirt. So I took my shirt off and I was, you know, just walking, walking to the, the convention hall. And <laughs> he, he drives right by and gets to the stop sign. He turns, sticks his head out and goes, put your shirt back on. You're not that jacked. And, then, like, <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even know he was booked for the convention, but I knew then. Like, yeah, that's amazing. Just... Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors. And we'll be right back with more live and in color with Wolfie D. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of empty trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at Steve Bowtie Bryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Support for Live and in Color with Wolfie D is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WOLFIE at manscaped.com. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. So I got to ask a question because I think it was probably, what, 10 years ago or so, around that time, this this guy became somewhat famous, especially on the internet and, and through these sets of videos. Colt Cabana was putting this guy over a lot. And I believe you have a very, very good story about maybe his start or helping him get in the business, the legendary freight train. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how, you, how you met freight uh, train, how, how you helped him get in the business? Oh, I, 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 I didn't necessarily help him get into the business, but he, he 
had a rough go of it in the beginning. A lot of people kind of just took his money and never did anything with him. Gotcha. And he'd been around for a while. And there was and there was a lot of guys like that in North Carolina. And oh, I'm sure. And he had a lot of shows. And, uh, like, their matches were... They were always a curtain sellout. Because, yeah. like, you, you weren't watching because this was going to be... You know, Flair Jerry Steam- Lawler, right? Or Flair Steam- gonna, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. this. This match was going to be the complete opposite of that. But you're going to see something you were never going to see before. And there was a, like a whole group of guys that, like, man, these matches are they're entertaining, but maybe for the all wrong reasons. But they're still entertaining. Sure. And sure. I, and and I'm just like, there, there's something here. And we had a North, like I said, North Carolina had abundance of them, and and Frey Train just happened to be one of those people. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to book all these guys. I'm just going to kind of put them out there and I'm going to let people know like, Hey, we're not treating this as a serious thing. This, these matches are what they are. And it was also kind of part of a a little experiment that I had because I've always believed that, you know, you don't get over necessarily all the time. Like the thing that gets you over, isn't always your matches. Some Mm -hmm. people, they're very much like that. There, there, there are people that solely get over because of their matches. Yeah. But really, you, you think about all those great me- memories, like when people talk about, like, oh, Roddy Piper, he yeah. bashed that coconut over the, this Jimmy Snooker's head, or he did this, or he kicked Cindy Lauper in the head. It's like none of that has to do with a wrestling match he ever had. Right. He got over right. because of other things. Mm-hmm. So, like, I had this thesis that it's not wrestling matches that get you over, it's personalities. Yeah. And all these guys that had these matches, they had these wonderful personalities. Yeah. But their matches are, you know, not Flair and Steamboat. <laughs> They're right. not technical masterpieces. But if you're going to hold it an experiment, you have to have a control. So <laughs> in, in this experiment, I take guys that have, you know, limited wrestling experience, and, but they have mm-hmm. tons of personality. And that's how I'm going to find out if personality gets over. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, you know, really got to hone in on Freight Train and giving him a microphone and letting him just do what he does and the magic that he has and his, you know, and it's not a secret. We did the documentary and he has, he has Asperger's and he sees this world differently. And because he sees it differently, he communicates it differently and Mm. it just happens to be hilarious. And he knows when it's hilarious because he gets a reaction. So therefore he keeps going with it. Right. And he just, and my reactions to it, like is just, helps it even much more because I'm much like the regular people. I feel the same exact way. Like, what did you just say? And, right. and the amazement of what he just came up with. Right. It, it, it always just, it, it was amazing. And yeah. he's such a positive person. He has, like I said, he, he sees the world differently and he, he doesn't understand why anybody would do any harm to anybody. Sure. And he's just the nicest person you've ever met. I've had some of the best hugs I've ever had before in my entire life from him. And he is, he came in, into my life when I needed a lot of positivity. I needed a lot of happiness. I needed a lot of joy and he provided it. And, and hopefully I've provided him with the same. And he is just, Josh, what an amazing individual. I, I, I did a whole documentary on him. I've, filmed him multiple times over and he is yeah. just the nicest person ever. And that's cool, I'm very lucky to have, have had him in my life. And I think that's the only thing that I, I, I would say I, I miss from Charlotte, North Carolina. It was 
I don't, I'm, I'm a little <laughs> further away from him. When I was a, when I was a little closer to him, I could kind of like check in on him, take care of him, make sure this is okay. You know, I, cause I, cause I do feel a, a bit responsible that I was the one that was putting him out in front of all these people and mm. inter, introduced him to a larger portion of, of professional wrestling. And not all the people that are in wrestling are nice and wonderful people and are respectful of people. And totally. because he believes everybody is nice. Mm-hmm. It's not, he can get taken advantage of very easily, but quickly at some yeah. point in time, you have to let your kids, you, you have to let your kids grow up. And, right. And, right. Uh, yeah. And, and he is he most certainly, he's a grown man. And I, I, I do miss him. He is an amazing individual. And I, I think the wrestling world is better for getting to know him. Right. And I've, I, some of my best, like, moments in my career are centered around him and he's i'm thankful to have known him and met him and be a part of his life yeah for sure a good story so so what about my old buddy double j man how's he treating you up there (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh i so (laughs) i got i got to be in a rampage match with him yeah, and, and I tweeted I tweeted this out when it happened. I was like, "It goes, Jeff Jarrett's always been a dream match of mine, and of course that MF punched me in the back every chance that he got, which is exactly <laughs> what I expected out of him." Yeah, he, yeah. I, 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 I love Jeff Jarrett. One of my favorite matches of all time is him versus Shawn Michaels at In Your House mm, yeah. for the Intercontinental Title. Like that match, gosh, that is such a good match, and yeah. and like Jeff is. Jeff is like such an underrated in-ring performer, oh and I, I like it, like grossly like his matches like like those TNA matches with him and Kurt Angle with everything that was going on still having great matches yeah. like just unbelievable like I I think he's great like yeah. and he'll tell you he ain't, you know, he goes ain't I great but yeah. like as yeah. he would say but he. Yeah. I just like get, getting opportunity just to be in a, like a match with him, even though it was a big multi man. I mean, just the fact that like he ran across the ring and punched me like, <laughs> and hit me from behind, like just with the flipper. Know, wow, this is <laughs> this is happening, man. And he is, uh, you know, and he, you know some of the stuff he does backstage. I've had, got to work with him a little bit, talk with him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like he, him knowing me as the man scout is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, uh, like, I guess he's just Jeff's just cool, you know. Yeah. Like he's just yeah. uh, that's that's him, and and that's why I feel like you know he's you know he's kind of the older guy in the younger guy locker room, but mm-hmm. like seeing him like talk with an Orange Cassidy and yeah. relate with him, right? And yeah. a lot of younger guy, even younger guys, can yeah. talk with him and relate with him. Yeah, I, I mean, just I mean that's what you, that's what you want to be as a vet is yeah. not be so out of touch that you yeah. don't get what makes other people successful, even though it's not how you think yeah. success should look like or how you get over or how wrestling should be. He's like, Oh no, that's over. I want to be part of that. That's what we should that's all be smart, thinking. Dude. <laughs> Jeff is smart. That's for sure. And I mean, and I think that's, 
I don't think that's the reason he's underrated, but I do think that's the reason why a lot of people hate on Jeff, you know, because he is smart and he's all business. If it, and I, and I know him well, he's my friend. I say this to his face. I mean, it's like a lot of things, if it don't benefit Jeff, he's really not concerned with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but you know what? Like if if everybody had that mentality, I think a lot of people would be more successful, but yeah, Yeah. Jeff is, if, if it don't, that's the best way to put it. If it don't, work for double J they don't work for him. So like, but that's, that's how he's been able to, that's been the way he's been able to survive. Yeah. Sustainability, man. Yeah. Yeah. Still consistently. Some of the best arms in wrestling too. Let's just admit (laughs) it. That guy's always got the best (laughs) arms, man. I'm just like, golly, there's guys like, you know, Brian cage on the roster. There's guys that are in great, you know, just perfect shape and, Double J still got some of the best arms, man. So, as much as he wears the cutoff, he needs to have good arms. Exactly. I don't, I don't think yes. I've seen that man wear. I don't think I've seen that man wear sleeves in months. That's the I, point. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah. So, okay. You know, one of the things that, and I know there's a little bit, it's kind of a bit of a long story and I don't want to make you have to drag it all out here, but working at high spot. So that's like that. You worked at the Amazon for wrestling. Essentially you worked at Walmart for wow. wrestling at high spots. How, how did you get that job and talk about working there? And then maybe what led you to AEW a little bit? Go no, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you referring it to the Amazon of professional wrestling because that's how I always refer to it. Like that's 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 what it was. Yeah, because it, it it really it, it had everything from you know wrestling gear to wrestling rings. We you know we would print posters for people, print promo pictures, and um, you know obviously merchandise, and then it got into memorabilia, and it was just this all encompassing thing that covered everything. And it, it's, you had to, you know, probably should have marketed better that way, but like you also had streaming too. So like it, the focus was never on any particular one thing, which is good, but it was also like made things that you felt like you were fighting battles on different fl- fronts at all sure. moments in time. Like there was a time where like, Hey, we have to be really into streaming. So everybody's got to put their attention into streaming. Yeah. And it's all of a sudden, Hey, these live shows are doing really well. And merch is doing, Hey, we got to pull all of attention and get on the road and get to all these shows. But then it's yeah. like, all these conventions are popping up. We need to be at every convention. And then it's like, <laughs> Oh, people are running shows. We need to make sure we have a ring out, you know, and every place and selling rings every month. You know, it just, it, it was very maddening. It was very tough. Uh, it was uh, I actually got in at 2005. Like I, I was a customer of High Spots, and mm. I saw that they had a three-month internship, mm. and I, I trained at a pretty good wrestling school in Springfield, Illinois. But I didn't have like a a, a trainer's name to drop that could open some doors for me. And mm. you know, George South's reputation, and he was part of the High Spots wrestling school. So I was like, okay, well, I'll apply for this internship. Mm-hmm. see if I can get three months of training at George South and see if this opens up some doors for me later. And like, maybe I'll make some connections on the East coast. Cause you know, Cole Cabana told me like, you need to be on the East coast if you want to make it in indie wrestling. So I was like, mm-hmm. maybe I'll make some connections, work my way from the Midwest to the East coast. And like, that's how I'll get this whole wrestling thing going. I just thought it was going to be a three month internship. Well, two weeks in, it turned into 17 years, 18 years yeah. of my life. <laughs> like I got, I got hired, hired to full-time employment. Um, 
Um, it was a very bumpy at times, but I, I, I kept with it and I, I made sure that what I did was good and, and best and posit- and was the best representation of this company. Right. And I, I feel like I succeeded at that. And, yeah. and like I said, it was very tough. It was very maddening. Um, and it just, you know, you, you, you do that for 17, 18 years and you just, you don't want to do it anymore and that's kind of of what happened and i i left and i actually i know it probably looks like oh you went from high spots straight to AEW. it's not the case at all i quit high spots in the middle of like covid well towards the end of covid when it was restrictions were still a thing and i had no job opportunities lined up. I had no idea what I was going to do, but luckily I, I kind of knew the writing was on the wall and I, I, I left and I had enough money to kind of live off of for a few months, but I didn't really know like, what I was going to do and what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. I, I, I actually took a job at, uh, for the Carolina Panthers, uh, mm-hmm. with fanatics. And I was making, you know, I made I made a, a a good good wage enough to to pay for a house uh, when I worked at high spots, but then wow. left, quit that job in the middle of COVID when there was very limited job opportunities, and I was making twelve dollars an hour, wow. checking people okay. out at the Panthers team store, wow. uh, just as like a stop because I had applied for their assistant like GM job, which I felt like I was qualified for, but they weren't filling that position yet. So I was like, you know what? Let me take this twelve dollar an hour job. To prove to you I'm that guy. And I came in and I I knocked it out of the park and I was doing really well, but then I didn't end up getting it because if you think politics are bad in pro wrestling, other other large organizations there there are definitely oh, yeah. wheel different wheels turning. So I, I missed out on that, but they were still thinking about maybe giving me a creating a job for me because they didn't want to lose me because they knew I was kind of like upset. Yeah. Um by yeah. it. So, but they were going to give me less than I was making at high spots, which, you know, like I said, was a decent living, but it wasn't a great living. I, I've always felt that I would make more money somewhere else other than the high spots, but I wouldn't have the flexibility that I had. So yeah. I felt like I took less money for more freedom there. So yeah. here I am at a place that's very rigid and I'm making less money. So I, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I, I was, you know, seeing a girl in Greenville, South Carolina. I had this house in Charlotte, North Carolina, that in a couple months, I'm not going to have enough money to make the, the house payments. So I, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm still trying to make this, you know, wrestling thing, like a full-time thing, but there's no shows happening. Yeah. Um, I've been used a couple of times by AEW in an extra capacity, and, you know, and I'm, they're going to be coming to Charlotte, which is 10 minutes away from my house. Mm. And like, I had emailed the guy who deals with the extras three times uh-huh. and it, and no reply, yeah. no reply whatsoever. And I'm just like, man, <laughs> like here I am trying to make all this stuff happen and nothing's happening. And, uh, you know, I took this gamble. I took this shot and it's looked like I'm going to, I'm really going to eat it. And I'm just like, I can't even get booked 10 minutes away from my house, you know, just to show, show up with a button up shirt and eat catering and get beat up wearing a black t-shirt. Like I can't right. even, like, you can't right. even do that for me. Like, right. 
And I was like, you know what? I'm going to email the guy who does extras one more time because it was the Sunday before the Wednesday Dynamite. I'm going to email him just one more time. And if anybody asks, like, oh, why didn't you do the – because, you know, how wrestling fans are. I'm like, well, why don't you just call him and let him know you're you're available? I'm like, well, right. how wrestling works, you know? Right. <laughs> like, right. I say yes. Yeah, I, I, I want to wrestle in Portland. I want to wrestle in – New Jersey. I want to wrestle in Florida, but I need somebody to say yes to me so I sure. can go do that. Right. And and that's kind of where I was sitting. But I was like, you know what? If anybody asks, I'll be like, you know what? I emailed them four times because three times wasn't enough. So I emailed them four times. And so I was like, I'm going to email them a fourth time. And so that way I have plausible deniability. And here we are. So I emailed them a fourth time. I immediately got a reply back in 45 minutes. Got booked as an extra. I showed up and I had already been like putting feelers out to anybody in a AEW like production. Cause I had video editing experience. Uh, I put out feelers with the ring crew because I basically the ring that they had was, I know the engineering of how that ring works because it's similar to a high spots ring. So I know why you tighten this rope in this particular order, because I know the engineering of it. I know how these canvases are made. So I'm, I'm, I'm hitting up everybody in every aspect for a job. Yeah. So I'm there. And yeah, I kind of touch base with all the people I put feelers out for. Um, and I'm just, you know, kind of talking to a couple people. And thank God, uh, Chrissy Myers was there. She works in the merch department with me. She overheard that I was looking for a job. She mm-hmm. had a need for somebody in the merch department. And she just walked up and asked if I wanted to work all out weekend when they were going to do a fan fest and she basically mm-hmm. just swooped in and basically saved my life. Cause that's awesome. My life yeah. is a thousand times better because she just took a chance on me to work one weekend with them. And just like, I did the best I possibly could. And I immediately started working with them on a per appearance basis. It took a little while to get full-time employment, but when we got there, we got there and, Ever since then, like I've been entrusted with more and more responsibilities and gotten, you know, more responsibilities and, and been able to do more with the company. And like, it's really been a really huge positive thing in my life. So it wouldn't yeah. have happened if I just wouldn't emailed one more person, one more time to be just a little bit more annoying to, <laughs> to get what persistent, I want. Persistent, not annoying. Yeah, I pull for AEW to thrive because obviously it's good for a wrestling fan like me. But I also, you know, and of obviously the product, I, I enjoy some of the product. But the, one of the most things that I enjoy and, and I, I, I want it to thrive so much for are the guys working in the back like yourself and Jerry Lynn and, you know, all the other guys that are, you know, getting getting a profession out of it that you know, you don't see on TV all the time. So part of, you know, part of my hope that AEW is becomes the next big two, you know, kind of deal is because of the guys working in the back as well, you know? Oh yeah. And they're in the, like, and it goes all the way from production. Like, like even Sanjay Dutt, like Sanjay Dutt, like, gosh, he is, he is a workhorse and a half, like the, the work that he does for pre tapes and then still finds time to appear on screen. Like he is and such a well-liked positive person gets it done. No matter what, if something gets thrown on him, you know, at 
midnight he gets it done at 12:30 like he is and he's got amazing pre-tape crew that are just they they're such hard workers everybody in the pre-tape crew those people that make all those packages like they don't get enough credit at all our truck drivers like i like those are the people i spend a lot of time with cuz i have half of an 18 wheeler that's got our entire you know, merch stock, it's basically like a rolling traveling warehouse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like WWE, we don't have some, we don't have some warehouse in Ohio and California and Las Vegas where we house our stock and it's just drop shipped to places and whatever's left goes in a dumpster. No, every t-shirt has to be accounted for. Every t-shirt has to be logged in and, and inventoried. And we have to give a certain amount here. And if we give too much here, we won't get enough in Boston. So it's a, a managing that, especially on this Canadian tour, it's been, I've had so many conversations on how we're going to do inventory on that. And on top of the UK stuff, I've had so much conversations about that, but the truck drivers, like they, the, the work that they do to kind of wiggle around in some of these arenas that only have two loading docks and make sure that, you know, the merch truck is close enough that I can get merch, you know, at eight thirty at night, like, Hey, you know, dynamite t-shirts are selling really good. Okay. I'll go get some more, you know, like having the ability to go get, you know, four or five dozen more shirts so we can make a couple thousand more dollars on merchandise, you know, like those truck drivers, they just kind of organize everything and the yeah. production people. Um, I mean, they're just the real rock stars of that whole show. And like everybody, you know, we see people on, on camera, but there is an army of people backstage that just pour their life into it. And to, yeah. to go, you know, to do whatever they need to do to get this show to happen. And there's been a couple of times, like, I'm like, man, <laughs> like, I can't believe we even had a show in this building, or I can't believe we pulled off a show with these weather conditions, or we pulled this off because, you know, Calgary is so far away from Boston. These trucks got <laughs> all the way from here to there, but everybody's just finds a way to get it done. And like uh, to me, like those are, those are the people that I, I cannot say enough good things about is just production, the truck drivers, pre-tape, uh, a lot of the office people and the deals that they make. Just that's the man. Can't say enough good things. Leading about your them. team and and getting everybody together. It's for the, your gimmicks coming through in the back too. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love it, man. And and those are the unsung heroes. And I think that's awesome that you uh, have a big enough heart to, you know, go out there and say that and for those for those men and women that uh, are really the unsung heroes of the wrestling business. Uh, in, in closing, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. Um, one, yeah. have you seen uh, what is it? Dan, the dad. Me and Dan, the dad, we we were we were tag team partners at okay. Wrestling Revolve, the same place where I wrestled the tent. We were, we were okay. tag team champions. Okay, well, me, me and me and Dan have had some amazing matches. <laughs> I awesome. want to look that up because I I told Jimmy about it. Yeah. He carries a cup of coffee. He don't spill it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It kind yeah. of reminds me of you. Uh, so yeah, that makes sense that you guys would be tag team uh, partners. But okay, so here's my other question. I'm gonna let your imagination run wild here. So obviously, uh, <laughs> you and I never got the chance to wrestle each other. But me <laughs> at Slash with Father James Mitchell against the the Boy Scout that that would be something in itself. But I think the better match would probably yeah. be Wolfie D PG13 versus uh, you know the Man Scout. Um, so let, let's just say at the end of that match, you take it out on my hubcap and you, you beat the hell out of my hubcap. You put my hubcap through a table. All right. So now <laughs> okay. the next week, uh, 
hubcap's coming back, man. And you might have thought you had your hands full with a tent, but now you got to wrestle my hubcap. How does that match, does that match go? Okay. All right. Oh, I, I mean, obviously how sturdy it is and what, what type of hubcap from what type of vehicle. Obviously, the bigger, the better, because I can do more with it. Yeah. Um, well, they're all aluminum, uh, the hard stuff. So you're yeah. talking good. You okay. Know. All right. 16 well, inches. I, I, I would I would probably do like diving headbutts and then sell my head and then like obviously <laughs> it would get up and like kind of kind of like when you tried to headbutt like one of the Samoans right you, know, you tried to headbutt them and you end up selling it so obviously yeah. the, the hubcap would kind of do that so I'd yeah. be doing things like that dropping <laughs> elbows on it's actually hurting me a little bit yeah. maybe maybe put a maybe do something on the top rope and all of a sudden it reverses into like a hurricanrana I'm going for a power bomb with it but it reverses into hurricanrana ends up on me one two kick out. Uh, roll if you roll, rolls up against the ropes, rolls back. I do a drop down. It rolls over top of me. I'm like, what? It's on top of me, and then roll roll back over, get into a pin, kick out. Probably have a little respect spot right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think just for starters, I got I got I got to know what the hubcaps idea is about the match. Sure. That's funny. Sure. You, I can see the hubcap hitting the ropes and jumping over you. That's hilarious. How's um, the ego of the hubcap? I used to do this movie. thing, but man, I was so it's like especially if the crowd was really big. I was scared to do it because depending on if the hubcap had maybe a dent in it on the side or just depending on how the mat gripped it. But I'd walk in and I'd do the little thing where you spin it backwards and it would go out and then roll back to me, you know. Yeah. But I was always uh. afraid to do it too much because I'll miss it or it'll go the other way because that can happen if it, it hits the mat the wrong way. Oh, yeah. When, you, when you're dealing with gimmicks like that, that's like a, that's like a, like a really weird like thing. Like <laughs> – Cause sometimes with like with the tent poles, like sometimes they come out, like there's a couple yeah. times there and you don't want to be messing around trying to tent poles back in. So like I've started yeah. like tape the tent poles at the bottom and then kind of tab them and take them apart if I need to take them apart, but then yeah. still keep them taped. So that way they don't come out. Yeah. Like there's just a whole varying degrees when you're dealing <laughs> with gimmicks like that, like yeah. of like, Oh, this could turn out well, or this could turn out bad. And like, there's many a times where I've had the tent as the finish and it's like, well, if the tent gets messed up before then we're going to look real dumb. Like, yeah. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> we're we're going to look dumber than a guy wrestling a tent. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're going to look about that. dumb. <laughs> it's funny, man. I love it, man. Uh, but at any rate, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. It's good to talk to you. Uh, I'm glad things are prospering for you. Do you want to uh, plug anything? Uh, as always shop AEW, but of course also my social media, uh, at Nanscout Manning on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I, I'm mostly looking for trading cards on there. I'm a big trading card sports card fan. So nice. if you follow me on there, you might, you might see some of that on there, but, right um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm out there, you know, available for bookings. I'll travel just about anywhere. I understand that all these independent promoters are on a budget. I just want to get out there and wrestle and sell my merch and, yeah. you know, perform in front of people. So I'm out there. I'm available. I still wrestle. I still do stand up. So anybody who wants me to go do that in their location, I'm available for, but support AEW. They are touring the country now, like, and having two shows a week now. So please take advantage of the fact that they're going to be probably coming to your town very soon. There's a lot of, new places that will be going the rest of the year. So just be paying attention to AEW and see when they're coming to your local area. There you go. Very cool, man. Very cool. Yeah. Um, 
man, again, thanks for joining us. And then, uh, Jimmy, I guess everybody knows when we come back for break, we're going to have some Ask Wolfie D anything, right? Yeah, Jake. You know, unfortunately, our time with you is coming gone now. But next up, we bring in the listener and let them ask Wolfie anything. Can you imagine what they're going to ask? It's just always a crapshoot here. <laughs> well, All hopefully right. it's more, more mental spots that haven't been seen the light of day since – the last time they were wrestling so there you go there you go yeah (laughs) hey i forget who it was real quick we was at a convention and one of y'all's guys and i apologize i can't remember his name was sitting next to me and he showed me because i said something about i can't believe nobody's ever stole our finish where i would spin jamie and slam him and he showed me that him and somebody did it some i guess on a i'm not sure if it was aw or not but he worked for me said but i thought i always was like man i can't believe nobody's taking that yet now yeah yeah, so that's cool oh i'm sure there's a lot of stuff that nobody's stolen from you yet and and that means i haven't had enough time to look that old pg-13 tape that's that's why that hasn't happened yet yeah just go watch them against al brown and sonny rogers you'll see the finish (laughs) it's amazing yeah that match is great it's on wwf yeah well next next time me next time me and uh dan the dad team up we're we're gonna do like at least two or three uh pg-13 spots claim claim that we came up with them (laughs) love it send it to me all right man we're out of here Uh, Folks, we'll be back in just a minute with Ask Wolfie D anything. Thanks again, man. Scout. Thanks, man. Hey, I've always been a fan from the second I saw your your start, brother. I've definitely been a fan, so I definitely appreciate you, brother, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm a fan of both of you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate having me on. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Take care, brother. No, thank you. DJ, hit the music. All right, we are back with Ask Wolfie D Anything. And man, Jake, what a cool interview, dude. What a cool guy, man. Smart dude, very smart dude, funny. Um, I'm going to look up some stand-up. I've been on a stand-up kick lately anyway, so I'll see if I can't find some of his stand-up, and we'll see. (laughs) Jimmy Walker's story is funny, but yeah. uh, well, okay. The first question I'm going to ask you then, and, and this is not planned, but Jimmy Street from Mooresville, North Carolina asks, <laughs> who's who's a current comedian that you're really enjoying, Wolfie D? I, I just watched the new, the new Kevin Hart on uh, Netflix. It's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really Love good. it. And a lot of them, I don't know their names. I, I like Sarah Silverman. I think she's funny. Yeah. Uh, there's just different ones I'll see, and it, it uh, I may not like all their stuff, but um, I still like going back and watching uh, Mitch Hedberg. Man, he was oh great. man, uh, Mitch was great, dude. Yeah, yeah. did you? I feel like I've had friends like him, they're just like kind of the burnouts a little bit, you know, yeah. and but. Yeah, Mitch. Mitch was great for sure. His style was so original. I don't even, you know. Yeah, it's just so original. It's so him. It just felt like I don't know that anyone could ever be like him again. You nah. know, but sad deal. Well, anyway, on to the Ask Wolfie D anything official here. So our very first question 
is from Cause Effect on Instagram. He asked this question here. He says, who did you personally feel like you clicked with the most in the ring? Now, it, it can be like, even if you're wrestling a tag team match, this guy you clicked with maybe, or or singles matches. Who did you feel like overall you clicked with the most in the mm. ring? Well, tag team matches, I mean, there's obviously people that we've, Mikey Whipwreck, Spike Dudley, the Jung Dragons, you know, the WCW guys we worked. Um, yeah. You know, obviously rock and roll, Tommy and Doug. But uh, let's just, let's say as far as like singles that I knew I could go out there and tear it down with, you know, that I was, that I've worked multiple, multiple times. Obviously, uh, guys like Chris Michaels, been working yeah. him since. 15 years old i know i can go out there and just you know we can do whatever right. i like to uh shane williams smothers um i mean just people that i worked over and over and over it's uh, brian christopher fuck jamie um you know doug lawler <laughs> i mean a, a lot of them man uh, i just i uh, me and bill clicked at a time you know, during that feud, but then we might work each other months down the road in just some kind of lame match at some spot show and it not be that good because it wasn't in the angle. We weren't in the heat of the moment. So again, at different times, different people be clicking with you on different levels. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gun to your head right now. Pick uh, one name. Pick one name. Damn, man. That's hard. That's hard. Um, dang. Dude, I feel like I was a good enough worker where I clicked with a lot of people, and that's yeah. hard to say. I mean, I don't have a, I can't name a favorite person. That I loved working with Lawler, though I never really worked him in angles, really. But I always had great matches with him, and those are so much fun. We talked about that earlier with Jake. You know, um, God, there's just so many that. Well, nobody's going to get mad that you said Lawler. You're going to have to shoot me in the head. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's over. All right. Go <laughs> without me. All right. Okay. Well, at Super Duper on Twitter, did Jeff Jarrett, and this is funny, we just talked to Jake about Jeff. Did Jeff Jarrett have a WWE title run in him? Okay. Had he stayed with WWE only after USWA? Do you feel like his, he, you, I mean, I'm sure you're going to say yes, but you know what I'm saying? Like, well, maybe I'm wrong, but do you feel like could he have been up there with the rocks and the stone colds? They, just, they wouldn't have let him and probably not really, you know, that's not, the, he's not the WWE kind of deal now, you know, he doesn't right. fit that. Right. Then, yeah. and I mean, he, they gave him a run, you know, intercontinental and, I think that was the. Did he have the tag belts? Uh, oh. He's had almost every title belt. Yeah. Out there. So yeah. what I'm saying is, I mean, they've given him a run, but as of WWE right now, he don't really fit that mold of what they do, and you know, kind of. Uh, I know there's, you know, heat with different guys and all that kind of stuff. So, but I don't know if he would have stayed. I don't. I don't see if they would have had to. Have, obviously, like I said, it couldn't have been the the. The double J hat and all that, the sparkly lights. I mean, that wouldn't have worked no more. So, right, right, yeah, <laughs> no, and I'm, yeah, they could do anybody could do whatever they wanted right. to. Yeah, no, that I mean, I think that's right. And you know, the funny thing is, is 
you know, because he did hold the WCW world title, but we know that situation was different. It was post Hogan and, you know, post a lot of the bigger names from WCW or the WWE that had kind of invaded WCW. But, and he, of course, held the NWA title at TNA, but when it, as far as the top of the mountain with the WWE, it did kind of seem like he was an eternal intercontinental guy, you know, when it came down to it. But maybe it was just a gimmick that, but I don't know. It's a good question. I'm, I'm glad they asked it. I'm also glad that you answered it. So I definitely appreciate that. Okay. Well, this one is John Johnson from Facebook. And John asked this. Now, this might be a weird question for you to answer, but you're an honest guy, sometimes to your fault. But, you know, who was the laziest wrestler you ever worked? <laughs> <laughs> laziest oh lord let me think like they just did not want to do anything yeah um <laughs> at, at like it, when you get older you get that way sure how at the beginning but then there's some that are extraordinarily lazy don't want to get hurt and all that uh man it because, just, because i know that's a big thing for you i know that bugs you right yeah yeah uh man it just depends on where that person's at in their career because they could have been one hell of a worker buddy lando was lazy but buddy would go when he still had to sure you shit um robert gibson is like that sometimes but fuck he's paid his dues he don't have to you know right it's kind of hard to, yeah <laughs> you know uh but then you also had his partner who was not and had paid their dues Ricky's, as well ricky would still like he would go when he had to but he was still uh, i guess you know don't hurt me <laughs> right right but i could it, they they earned it but as you get older, you do get a little bit lazy. Some guys, and and myself included, just depending on where I was. But like Larry Lazen was really lazy in his later days, uh, just back in the corner and let you hit him. I mean, there definitely <laughs> some lazy ones, and they didn't want to take, wouldn't take big bumps. You knew you had to just do basic shit, you know, stuff like that. That's, yeah. that's a little bit common back then. Yeah, and and you know, it also has to do probably with the crowd and the size of the crowd. Exactly. Yeah, you know, 100%. yeah. So so a little bit of age, you know, paid their dues, mm-hmm. already did all the hard stuff. Want mm. just have an easy night, a, a yes. night off, as they say. Right. And I've, you know, and I've heard of several people say that Wolfie D was a night off, but. Yeah. That that to me means that they trust you and they know you can do what needs right. to be done. But as far as the work putting into it, you were definitely not a night off because you always wanted to perform at a high level and yeah. show that you. I, I ain't gonna say I ain't never called it in before. Doug. You know what I'm saying? But of course, uh, overall, no. Right, right. No, that makes sense. And again, we're not out to say bad things about people. This was just a question and I thought it was funny to hear your thoughts on it. So, but anyway, we thank you for that question and thank you Wolfie for that answer. If they're too fucking lazy, my ass wouldn't be working with them more than one. Sure. Yeah. It's it's a wrap after that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, Hey, that is all we got for ask Wolfie D anything on this awesome man scout, Jake Manning episode. I wonder if man scout has ever worked with manscaped. (laughs) <laughs> and he could use code Wolfie for 20% off. But anyway, <laughs> that's it, brother. That's all I got.
All right. So y'all join us next week. We appreciate you as always. Uh, coming up next week, we don't know again. So tune in to find out. It'll Follow be awesome. Us on social media. Buy my stuff, please. And <laughs> I'll see you next week. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling. Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you are interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M-the-man73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube channel. The He's gonna tell you all about it. He doesn't care what you think. You're gonna hear all about it. Mike Jablonski. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. 
Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at Warren Wolf 13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at Live Wolfie D. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Blum rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Tired of suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop Been doing it like this since 92 Played low for a while when you thought I was through Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected Mad skills, no faking, there is no one great Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later Not here to play games, so you better beware You don't like me, so what? I really don't care Like time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped You suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped When I finish, I'll straight knock you out Please allow me to tell you what it's all about Gonna wind it up and I'm driving it home, it's Ruby D, baby. Huh, I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.